All right, Sonia and Annabelle are going to read scripture in just a minute, but I thought, you know, why not take, an event, take advantage of this opportunity to get up here and have you, uh, you know, nervous about what I'm going to ask you. It's always um, uh, not sure what Kimball's going to ask when anyone shows up here. You know, I, I try. I give you, give you some ideas of what I'm going to ask you. But anyways, um, Sonia, why don't I start with you? Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about how you came to be at College Drive and kind of how long you've been part of our church here? Well, we started coming during COVID. We were looking for community, and our son got connected with a youth group here. So we thought, well, the kids are connected. We might as well um, come and try it out and find community. Okay. And we have. Yeah, that's good. And uh, so you have full days. So what kind of fills up your days and, and your husband, Rick? And why don't you tell us all your, your children as well, just their names. So if well, you can remember, because I, I try real hard, but... Well, we have six children. It's really easy to remember because they all begin with the A. And we have Adam, Annabelle, Aaron, Emily, Asher, and Andrew. And they keep me busy because we homeschool them. And so Rick is the principal of the school. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, so we homeschool them, and it's uh, quite the journey. Okay. And uh, one thing that also you added to your life this year is you are been partnering with Mitch and helping out with our young adults. So what's kind of led you to that that decision and opportunity there? Because you've been involved with our kids' ministry in the past. Yeah. Um, well, after taking your leadership class, there's a plug for that. I recommend anyone take that one. Um, I was looking for a change. I had been involved with children for a while. I've with my children all the time, and I was just looking for a new way to serve. And I saw there was a need and talked to Mitch and got involved. So... Right on. Well, thank you for doing that. And uh, I know he appreciates that a lot. So, Annabelle. Hi. <laughs> do I make you nervous? Sometimes. No. I, I never know what you're going to say, so. No. Well, okay, so I should check my notes just so that I, um, oh, I lost it. So, I don't know. What am I going to ask you? Uh, okay. All right, Annabelle. What, what are some things that you do for fun? Um, I do competitive swimming, and I like hanging out with friends a lot of the time. Okay. And you're also a part of our SALT youth group. So what yeah. kind of things, what do you like about that group? I like hanging out with my friends mostly. <laughs> okay. Just yeah. one waving at you over there. Okay. Haley was pretty sure that you were just going to say the best part was her. Yeah. Yeah. Haley. But, uh, that. Yeah. Okay. Well, in any event, uh, you've also been involved at, at camps. And so that's yeah. been a big part of your summer. What's, uh, what's it looking like for you for this summer? Um, this summer, I'm mostly at camp SABC and Green Bay Bible Camp in Kelowna. Okay. And, yeah. and I know you've had a really good role at SABC. Yeah, I junior lifeguard there. Very important job. Mm -hmm. we, we say that uh, between Annabelle and Zoe, they're going to be like the, you know, they're going to just lead SABC uh, in all areas uh, when they, uh, they get a little bit older. But uh, it's great having you in that role. And we need uh, good lifeguards watching out for the kids at the waterfront. So I'm going to let you guys uh, read this morning's scripture, and then I'll come up after you. Annabelle doesn't want to read. She'll stand with me. <laughs> Ephesians 4, 1 through 16. As a prisoner for the Lord, then, I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body 
and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, when he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascend mean except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions? He who descended is the very one who ascended higher than all the heavens in order to fill the whole universe. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, the pastors and the teachers to equip his people for the work of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching, by the cunning and craftiness of the people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is, Christ. From him the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds its up, sorry, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. I invite you to turn in your Bibles, if you have them, to that specific passage, and it's where we'll be centering our, our time together. Ephesians 4, verse 1 to 16. All right, we uh, are in this series called What Matters Most? What Matters Most? <clears throat> and so we've been examining our our core values as a church. And uh, we've been having some fun doing this, I hope. Uh, <clears throat> perhaps some of you have learned some things, oh, that's, that's what's important, and that's why we do that in our, in our church. There was a, a teacher who shared this object lesson with her class, <clears throat> and uh, she had this glass jar, like we have up here, if you can see. And uh, what she did was she started to put these big rocks in this jar until the rocks were kind of full at the top. And then she asked her class, can I, can I put anything else in the jar? And they looked at it, and it was like, you know, it was pretty, pretty full. And they said, nope, it's full. Well, then the teacher proceeded to take some gravel and poured it in, and it kind of filled in all around the cracks. She asked the, the class then, is it now, is it full? And they said, yeah, it's, it's full. And she said, okay, well, she took some sand and poured the sand in, and it just kind of filtered through all the cracks. And she asked them again, is it full now? And they were kind of catching on to this. They thought, well, we think so. It looks a little bit like it should be full, but we don't know. And so she said, well, you're right. So she took some water and a jar of water, poured it into the, the big jar, and the water just poured through everything else. Well, she asked the class, what is the point of this object lesson? And one bright student said, well, you can always fit more in the jar. 
And the teacher said, uh, no, that's not actually the point. The point is that if we didn't start by putting the big rocks in first, they never would have fit in the jar. This series is about our big rocks. Our mission and our values. The mission, in a sense, is the jar. It's the container, and our values are what fill it, what we prioritize to accomplish our mission. These are the things that we say matters the most. And part of this, in this series, we've been trying to establish that these are things that we don't want just to say. We don't want just to to preach it, to post it, to print it, and it looks nice. It sounds good. We want to live it. We want to live it. And so as we talk about these big, big rocks, if we don't get these things in the jar, then what happens? We're going to fill up this jar with a lot of other things. Our preferences, those things come in a lot of ways. Good ideas, lots of churches have those things. We have good ideas around here too. There's stuff that that just might work, maybe for just a short time. But those things can easily fill up the jar if we don't put our big rocks in first. And so a quick review here, if you haven't joined us yet, or uh, just a review for all of us. Here we go. So our mission. I'm going to have you say this, this one, and the rest of them I'll read. But here we go. This is our mission. Say it in unison together, people. All right? Here we go. Out of a growing love for God and compassion for others, our mission is to be and make followers of Jesus. You said it so unenthusiastically, but uh, I know it's true of your heart. Uh, But okay, here we go. That's our our mission, all right? Now, so far in this series, we've stated this, that we value prayerful dependence. Okay, we've said that this is what we state. We depend on God for ourselves and others. Without him, we can do nothing. We express our dependency through prayer, trust, and spirit-filled living. Our lives center on him. Then we said we value loving in community. We value loving people just as Jesus did. Life transformation takes place in authentic community through grace-filled, caring relationships. Last week we we said we value teaching truth. We value the in-depth teaching of the word of God as the guiding transformational truth for the journey of life and the basis of everything that we do. God has spoken. We listen and we instruct. Today we want to explore this value, the value of equipping believers. We value discipleship and equipping that results in passionate lovers of Christ empowered for ministry. Now, a little caveat to begin this is this, is if if you are a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a disciple, and this is what we set out from the beginning. If we say we are about being disciples and making disciples, and we define what a disciple is in a simple way, is this. is A disciple is one who, out of intimacy with Jesus, seeks to pattern their lives after his character and priorities, and by effect invites others to do the same. That's what we say is a, is a disciple. If this is you, if this is a, a description of you, that's... that's what we say a disciple is, and that's what we're seeking to be and to make. Now, if this is not you, if this isn't a descriptor of you, 
then hear this, you're, you're welcome here. Um, you know, and we're all about inviting people into that, to be that and do that. But if this is not you, and this, as we talk about these values, these are not your, your desires, this message, you know, it won't really apply to you. You're probably a good human. <laughs> you know, you're, you're probably a good citizen. You can do good things. You can be a good husband, good wife, father, mother, good employee. But the overarching mandate of your life will not be to please and honor God. That's just the truth of it, is that you simply have other rocks in your jar. Colossians 3 verse 17 says to followers of Jesus, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the mandate of a disciple, to represent God, to do things in his name, to please and honor him in all things. Now, this is our mandate. This is a command, an imperative from God's word. But this morning, I want to impress upon us who are believers, disciples, that God desires us to come to maturity in him, to grow up. And this is what we'll hear in this text. To grow up, to come to fullness of maturity in Christ. Not just to, to stay spiritual babies, but actually be equipped and be empowered to serve and to minister. Now, that being said, the, the passage that Sonia read, um, it, it's a hefty one, right? We could, you could spend a lot of time in that, in that passage. Uh, but what we're going to do is, is kind of draw a few things from it. So first of all, we're going to do three things we're going to draw from this passage. We're going to talk about the fact that we have been called, that we've been gifted, and that we each are to do our part. <clears throat> All right, first one is, we, is this. We've been called. We've been called. As disciples, we have a calling. And this is what the Apostle Paul says in this, is that, that you have a calling. Now, now make your calling sure. And he says over here again, he says, live a life worthy or conduct yourself in a manner that is worthy of your calling. He says this in a few places in his writings. There's a calling. And this is an invitation to all people to come and to follow Jesus. And T. Wright says this, he summons us, God the Father, summons us to believe in Jesus as the risen Lord and King and to give him complete and undivided allegiance for the rest of our lives. He summons us. He calls us. And if you've said yes to Jesus, you say, yes, I'm about following Jesus, and I submit to him, to his lordship in, our, in my life, then you've responded. You have this calling. Saying yes to Jesus. And we say yes to Jesus when we say, yes, you are my savior, that you've rescued me from sin and death, but also that you are Lord. And that means that we actually are submitting to him, to his authority, and that he is worthy to obey. So he's a savior that rescues us, but he's also a Lord that we obey. And so the Apostle Paul says, know your calling and walk worthy of it. He gives very practical advice here going into this. Dealing with people, these, these next little parts of this, uh, the phrase, phrasing that he uses, talks about, it's, it's talking about people, not in isolation. 
when I was a, a young pastor, I had a friend who was a pastor as well, and, and he told me one time, he said, you know, if people would only leave me alone, then I could get my work done. <laughs> and I remember thinking, I was just a young, naive, self-righteous, probably, pastor, thinking, that is your work, you know? People are your work, but I always remembered it. As a pastor, there's times where, you know, where there's holy interruptions, Trying to get the sermon done, trying to get that lesson for the exploring leadership done. The phone rings, phone buzzes, something going on. People, people is the work. And so these things that Paul tells us of how we are to live according to our calling are things dealing with people. And so he says, live a life of humility. This is an essential, irreplaceable part of Christian character. This is what we say when we say if you're a disciple, you pattern your life after the character of Jesus. We see Jesus and we, we know that he was one of humility, of service. This last week in our Exploring Leadership class, this is one thing we talked about. We, we, we talked about all the different character qualities of a spiritual leader. What are the top five? Well, this one is, is top, of the, top of the heap. Humility. We follow in the steps of Jesus. His life and his death were service and sacrifice. And so we follow in his steps. But we also realize just as humans, as people, we come before a holy God. And we see ourselves in our weakness and in our sinfulness humbles us. <clears throat> Paul also says we should be gentle, gentleness or meek, a strength that is, that is under control, that is submissive, an attitude of submission. See, an attitude of pride or, or selfish ambition can never be a rock in your jar as a follower of Jesus, where you hold out, you know, your, your right and your will. Gentleness is submitting. Patience. It seems to be primarily, uh, he's talking about patience with people. <laughs> Slowness in avenging wrong or when you've been hurt by someone. Remembering how patient God is with us. Forbearance. Having this tolerance with other people's faults or offenses. You know, consider this if, if you have a roommate or you're, <clears throat> you're married in this, this need, we have you know, we, to live together in, uh, in some sense of, of agreement or without discord. Again, considering the attitude and actions of Jesus toward those who came against him. We have to be forgiving. Tolerant of other people and their faults and offenses. All in all, these, characters are of, these qualities of character point to the life motivated by the life of Jesus, to look more and more like him. <clears throat> and then the Apostle Paul says this, this in the, the unity of the Spirit, this is, should be our pursuit and what we seek to protect. This is a gift from God. It's nothing that we can manufacture. And, and again, this unity isn't something that we, we say, okay, so a couple weeks ago we had all these different interests and, and likes and dislikes or things that you were, you're passionate about on the walls and you could go and talk to people of like-mindedness. 
That's not, that's not what he's talking about here, where there's unity, where, he, where you just all are cheering for the Chiefs today in the Super Bowl. I know some of you are saying, is there football on something today? I know. Some of us. Chiefs? Eagles? Really, Dale? I know the Chiefs always really hurt your Raiders, so... <clears throat> Well, we won't go into that. But that's not what he's talking about when it says unity of the Spirit. See how easily I get distracted. Unity of the Spirit is a gift from God. And what we are told to do is actually to guard it. Verse 3, it says, Make sure that you have you know, every effort, make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. And this, this word is a, a word we've talked about before, and we use it at camp all the time and stuff too, but it's, the word is spudadzo. Sudazo, and it means be diligent, be zealous, like make haste, make every effort to guard the unity of the Spirit. See, this is a thing that just every little thing can cause cracks. There's things in our world that come against us as Christians. There's, there's things within our body, and we get to those things. If, if the preferences and the good ideas and all the stuff that we, we think we should be doing gets in the way that starts causing little fissures in our, in, our, in our rocks, in our wall of unity. So we have to have this zeal, spudazzo. Be diligent to make every effort. So if there's something wrong, you recognize that there's something between you and someone else, make haste, get after it, make it right. Guard the unity of the Spirit, because it's a gift from God. And then he says, what binds us together, verse 4 and 5, these things, one body and one Spirit. You're called to one hope when you are called, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. So much to be united in. So you've been called to be a disciple of Christ. And so Paul says, live up to your calling. So we've not only been called, we've also been gifted. So he, he doesn't just say, oh, great, you've been called. He actually empowers us. He gifts us. And verse 7 to 12 talks about this. Verse 7 says, but to each of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. So we have this unity of the Spirit, but in his wisdom, God gave us diversified gifts. Why? Because we need each other. The gifts that Christ gives us are exactly that. And he uses this word grace in the first part. He's given us grace. And what does that say to us? That means that it's unmerited. He didn't just manufacture your talents, your abilities, your gifting. It was a gift of God according to how Christ actually measured it out for you. Recognizing that he made you, he knows you, and in his calling of you, he's given you the exact gifts that you need and that the church needs for you to grow in. Verse 8 to 10, Paul quotes Psalm 68, and it's, it's sort of this little, like, what is he saying by that, that Christ ascended and he descended, and you know, lots we could unpack on that, but it's, it's simply this, it's identifying Christ as a conquering king of the universe, above and below, triumphant, overall. 
And because he is the triumphant king, he can bestow these blessings and these gifts to each of us. He points out the foundational gifts for the establishment of the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers. And the purpose of these foundational gifts is what he describes. He says, what's the point? It's to equip the church for service and ministry. And this is the priority of my role as a pastor. As your pastor. To equip you for service. We could go into a lot of of those different roles, but we'll save that for another time. So think about your life and your gifting. Some of you are very clear. You know you're you're gifting and you're you're serving and you're using your gifts. What if you're you're not sure? How do you know? I'm going to give you some some practical things, not all-inclusive lists, but some good pointers for you to say, how do I know what my gift is, what God has given me? All right, here we go. First of all, prayer. This is what we've recognized as a value, so here's where we live it. We say, God, I I want to know my gifting. Will you show me? Will you reveal to me where you have gifted me? Will you provide opportunities that I could step into? If you you start praying that and just saying, Lord, I want to know my gift, is there there some, start out with a need. Is there a need in the church? Maybe I could fill that need. If there's a need in my family, my community, that, that I could use your gifts to point people to you and to help build the church, Maybe something, you know, that would just be really clear because this is how I pray sometimes. Say, Lord, make it really clear to me because I'm not so smart. <laughs> it's my humility before God, <laughs> right? It's just, I just need you to be, make it really clear to me. And he does. He's faithful in that so many times. So we pray. We say, God, reveal to me where you've gifted me. And it goes along with scripture, the next one. A few passages that are listed there identify some spiritual gift lists. Now, this is not necessarily a complete list, but nonetheless, this is important, and we shouldn't always, like, you know, stray too far out of these things because you'll probably find that your gifting, if it's for the benefit of the church and not just for your bank account or for your business or for whatever, uh, if it's for the church, it probably does connect to a lot of these these lists. And so this is... um, you know, what you, what you think is your, if your gift is unique to this list, you might find it actually is accomplishing something intended in this list. So I'll read you one passage here, 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11, and you can just highlight the others to look up at another time on your own. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians 12, 4 to 11 says this, There are different gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now, to each one, the manifestation of the Spirit is given for the common good. To one, there is given through the Spirit a message of wisdom. To another, a message of knowledge by means of the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by that one Spirit. To another, miraculous powers. To another, prophecy. To another, distinguishing between spirits to another speaking in different kinds of tongues, and to still another the interpretation of tongues. All these are the work of of one and the same Spirit, and he distributes them to each one just as he determines. Now some of the other passages talks about leadership gifts and and serving gifts and hospitality and mercy, and so they have these, these kind of lists, and you can read those and say, is there something that resonates 
with me in my spirit, how God has made me to help determine if that's your gift. Another thing to do is to test it. Test it. Try stuff. This is what I, what I always tell people is like, if they say, I, I don't know my gift. Well, what have you done? What have you tried? Um, what seems to have resonated with, with your, your character, your personality, and, and how that has worked out for you? And so test things. And I would say test it more than once. When I was probably, I don't know, I was 19 or so, I had an opportunity to, to preach in my home church in Main Center, and I was scared spitless. Randy Schellenberg was sitting right, no, I don't know if he was or not, but I was like, I had never preached before, and I was, I was nervous, and I got up there, and I, and I got, I was like, I don't know what I said. I can't, uh, you know, know if it was any good at all, and I, th- I could have just said at that point, scrap it, like, that's not my gifting, and, and I'll tell you, I'll be honest with you, I don't, I've never felt that like preaching is my primary gift. Um, and so, but I just kept trying and, and the Lord equips and he, you know, he equips those he calls. So you try things. Uh, and, and that's just some of the best ways to do it is, you know, I, um, <laughs> yeah, I'll leave that part. But just try stuff. That's, that's an important thing. And have other people. The next thing is ask a friend. You know, you have a Christian friend who knows you, knows your heart, and knows that, you know, that how to speak truth into your life, has some discernment. They will, they will tell you. Uh, and, I, and I hope that it's someone, you know, that's really, that's honest with you, truthful to you, not just trying to puff you up or tear you down. Affirmation of others is important. And, and this comes by when you have tested something, you've tried something, and then there's a response that has, comes back and say, you know, what, what you did there or what you shared or how you served, it, it encouraged me. And, and those kind of things resonate with you uh, when you hear the affirmation of others. Joy. Joy is a, a great way to, to test your gifting. Uh, is there something that you just, it just strikes a, a passion in your heart um, for, for that? Um, I've told you this before, part of my, my story and in calling into ministry was just being at camp when I was 16 years old and, and sitting next to a kid, you know, on the swing after chapel at West Bank Bible Camp and saying, you know, he said, I, I, after chapel, I, I, I want to become a Christian. Can you help me become a Christian? And I, I just prayed a simple prayer with this kid to receive Jesus. And it just was like, explosions in my heart and fireworks in my brain. It's just like, if this is what serving God and, and being a part of this, living out this calling in my life, just like, I don't want to do anything else. So there's things like that that just give you joy when you do them. The last one is, uh, is there's tests. There's some helpful tests. Some are not so good online. Like every time you, if you type in spiritual gift test online and whatever comes up, it may or may not be really good or helpful. Uh, my experience with these things is, is this, uh, honestly, is that people usually end up on doing these tests, they usually end up with mercy, hospitality, and helps, things like that. And nothing wrong with those. Those are very important gifts needed in the church. But often the phrasing of the questions on those spiritual inventories are, are sometimes natural for you to shy away from 
expressing things as far as some of the public gifts of teaching, preaching, evangelism, those kind of things. And, and people naturally are humble when they do these tests, but they want to help people and they want to serve people and want to be hospitable. So those things rise up. So again, really important, those gifts are needed in the church, absolutely. But sometimes the spiritual gift tests kind of lead you to, uh, to those. Again, go back to actually trying things. Okay. Third and finally out of this text is that we each need to do our part. The last verse, from him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You know, this whole, this whole local church here at College Drive would be completely derailed if I tried to do everything or if you expected me to do everything as your pastor. Tanya and I, we, we taught Kids Quest once. <laughs> I mean, she'd do, she could do it all the time, but it's like, I'm like, what is going on? Like, realizing, no, that's, that's not going to be what I need to be about, even though I'd fill in on occasion and the kids are fantastic here. Or if I went to youth on Fridays and I said, step aside, Carson, I got this, I'm leading youth tonight. Kids would say, who are you, old man? What are you doing here? If I said to Pat, you know, next time, next month, young at heart, I'll be cooking. Okay? Just tell your people, take a break. And honestly, don't even think about having me lead worship. Bad news. You get the point. We also recognize that there is a vast amount of gifts among us. Gifts that are needed in this body. Some of you have gifts in in financial matters. We need you. Basic math is hard for some of us. Some of you have gifts in hospitality. We have a, a wealth of new people among us. And you know what? Some people have said, coming back later, and they said to us, you know, your church welcomed me. And I couldn't believe it. Someone invited me to their home for lunch after church. They didn't even know me. They took me out for dinner we need you. Some of you have gifts of mercy and serving. You know, we have people that are, are sick or are in hospital. We need people that will step alongside them and care. Some of you have helping gifts, maybe repairing things. Uh, it's a common, common thing, common need in the body. Some of you have shepherding gifts, and we need you. We need you to step into maybe shepherding, leading a life group, um, those kind of things. So another thing I want to say, and this is, is really important, is that maybe this is a season of your life where, you know, you're feeling overwhelmed. <laughs> you, you know, you're, you've, you've had a health concern, there's a family crisis, and this, this honestly is a season of rest and renewal for you. And this is an, a time where you simply need to receive from the gifting of others alongside you. And so that is a time where you maybe have to set aside pride and maybe where you've had that, that passion, that burning to, to use your gifts, and there will be another day. But right now, um, it's a time of rest and renewal and allowing and receiving from other people. So definitely hear that in this as well. Uh, the Lord will, will raise you up again, and, or he will use you even in the crisis. 
uh, for his glory. The Apostle Paul is really saying here is this, is that there's a goal, and the goal is maturing of your faith. And the body, the church, develops and grows strong as each member, each part of the body does its work. And so you're here, welcome here, be a part of, of this value. You're called to serve. Uh, to come and follow Jesus is a life of service. That's what it's all about. You're equipped to serve. You've been given at least one gift for the church. It's for the church. And you're empowered to serve. You have the Spirit of God indwelling you. You could never do it on your own. Anyways. And also with this, steer clear of the trap of comparison. This is one thing that, that kills, it eats away at unity of the Spirit in the church. Is when you say, well, I can't, I can't pray like that person, or I can't speak like that person, or I'm, you know, I'm not a servant like that person. And, and you start to posture yourselves, and that's not about God has equipped you, he's called you, and he will use you exactly where he needs you to be with the gift that he has given you. So again, our value is this. We, we value discipleship and equipping that results in passionate lovers of Christ, empowered for ministry. This is one of the big rocks in our jar, and we invite you to share in it. So that's what I ask you and leave you with. Will you join us as we embrace and seek to live out this value? Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. It speaks truth to us. We submit to your authority that's found in it. God, we, we rest in knowing that this is not a burden that is on us. It is a gift of grace. It's bestowed on us because of your bounty, because of your triumph over death and the grave, and that now you have called people, brothers and sisters in Christ, to unify and to grow as a body. So I pray you would do a work in our church, that you would raise up people to use their gifts, to, to seek out avenues of service, just to love each other uh, through whatever you have invited us to, to be and to do. God, we pray that we would be devoted followers of Jesus, that you would change us and use us in Jesus' name. Amen.